Welcome to uh, episode, I don't know, 17, 18 of Man, Buns, and Jesus. Um, I am one of your hosts, one of the delinquents that runs this show, uh, Josh Laborious. I'm a pastor out in Eastvale, California. And uh, the the gentleman over there with the sleek black hair is uh, Benjamin Olschlager, pastor of Good Shepherd Lutheran Church, somewhere in the vast wasteland that is uh, is the north part of our country. Um, <laughs> is that a good is that a good description? Is that enough? Close. It's close. I'm in Lake Orion, Michigan, and it's it's been above freezing the last three days here, so. Uh, we're not quite so frozen or vast a wasteland anymore. Um, I don't know. Yeah. We're having good weather. At some point, you'll have to stop making fun of it because it'll be a hundred bajillion degrees where you're at and it'll be nice where I am. No, no, I'll keep making fun of it. <laughs> don't you worry. Anyway. Because there's this simple reality that you said, oh, we've been above freezing for the past three days, and it hasn't gotten down to freezing once since I've been here. So, there's that. What's our topic for today? Our topic isn't about the various parts of the country and their weather patterns, believe it or not. Uh, we have something yeah. more important to talk about. Yeah. Maybe more relevant. Definitely more relevant. Um one of the things that's really hard for Christians to uh, kind of wrap our minds around oftentimes can be war or conflict um, and especially what we as Christians can do to respond to that um, and I've seen a lot of, of outcry around the, the conflict that started in Ukraine last week um, and honestly has been brewing since 2014 when Russia annexed Crimea um but it kind of gives us if nothing else a pretty strong case study to look at war to look at conflict and to really have a conversation about you know what is war is it ever just um what are some of the things that are are happening in this specific war that we need to be aware of and you know what can we as christians especially christians who are halfway around the world about it so lots to talk about today um and i think josh i don't know uh what, what you're thinking but i think um for me i think it would be valuable for us to kind of just lay out what's happening um in ukraine and especially with um a lot of the stuff that that russia has been doing in the lead up to this how familiar are you with what's going on halfway around the world yeah so i i want to be uh as, as transparent as and honest with uh with you and with our listeners slash viewers as possible um and i'm gonna use i'm gonna use a meme to do it. i'm not gonna pull up the meme that'd be dumb but there's a meme that i've seen several times on reddit which as a side note is a crime because reposting is a crime on reddit um but it's a meme. It's always it's like some character, some figures, uh, and they're in two screens and they're sitting at their computer. And the first one, it's like one week ago, I'm an expert on uh, on like virology or something. And then the second one, the stick figure is like, no, now I'm an expert on geopolitics. 
um, kind of calling out the fact that you have a bunch of people sitting on their phones, on their computers with no expertise, pretending to be experts on all sorts of things. Um, we had a professor at the seminary, Dr. Gibbs, who he named it something along the lines of expert experts, instant expert syndrome. Um, so I want to start this with a, a disclaimer, like I am by no means an expert at geopolitics. I'm not even really like <laughs> I have <laughs> I have very little background in this area because frankly, I have very little interest in this area. Mm -hmm. um, and to, to further that, my main source of news is Reddit. <laughs> and before you, okay, and for anyone who's not familiar, Reddit is a totally anonymous social media where most everything is a meme. If you're not familiar with a meme, the, it's a picture juxtaposed with words for generally comedic effect. Um, and you might say, well, that's a dumb source of news. And I say, well, well, here's the thing. Reddit <laughs> loves to make fun and poke fun at current events. And I, I take in these memes, I look at these memes, and I can read the subtext to kind of get the general idea of what they're what they're commenting on so like mm -hmm. i knew i knew when there was a freighter that was stuck in the suez canal that was disrupting global trade i knew when everything in ukraine like i know about ukraine and everything going on like i'm aware of all these things in generalities because i pick up the context from the meme and you'll say well that's not enough and i say well i think it is enough because the reality is Anywhere else I go, the facts are, are really uh, very subject to the editorial editorializing and and selective distribution of the outlet in question, right? Mm -hmm. Which I think is something that no matter what what station you prefer, like you can accept that if you go to CNN and you go to Fox or any other news outlet, you're going to get a carefully curated set of stories. Okay. So instead of dealing with all that, I go to Reddit and I kind of know what's going on. So with all of those disclaimers out there, here's your background on Ukraine from someone who gets his news from Reddit. Um, <laughs> a few weeks ago, Putin starts amassing troops on the border. Well, a, a, many, many years ago, back when I still watched the news, Putin kind of just took Crimea, part of the Ukraine, and said, this is ours now. And everybody was like, wait, what? And he's like, no, no, don't worry about it. It's ours now. And uh, so a, a few weeks ago, Russian troops start building up on the Ukraine border. And they're like, it's training exercise. It's just a training exercise. Don't worry about it. And everybody was like, oh, we're, we're kind of worried about it. And all of like the Russian media that's putting out there, they're saying we're not going to invade. But then all of the sources that everybody else is, is asking is like there's been an order. Russia will be launching a full scale invasion of Ukraine. Mm -hmm. um, and last week, that's exactly what happened. Uh, m massive numbers of troops have and, and, and weapons of war have made their way into the Ukraine. They're focusing, they're, they're generally, the Russian troops are targeting Ukraine's two major cities. Um, 
And, and for context, Ukraine is a much smaller, much more poor country than Russia, right? Um, however, in the week since then, Ukraine has really demonstrated an incredible amount of grit, right? One would have expected with the amount of resources Russia is throwing at Ukraine that they would have folded, but they haven't. They haven't lost either of those two major cities. Um, and, and there are all sorts of stories about, and I'm sure they're built up, but of heroism coming out of, um, you have the story of the old Russian lady or the old Ukrainian lady who was giving out sunflower seeds to Russians. And she said, put these in your pocket so that when you're done here, we'll have fields of flowers. She's saying like, you're all going to die and these sunflower seeds in your pocket will, will fill Ukraine with flowers. Um, there's the ghost of Kiev, uh, a Ukrainian fighter pilot who dropped six Russian fighters in air-to-air combat in one day. Um, and, and then you have the story of the Russia, of the Ukrainian president who when was he was offered an evacuation by the U.S. and his response was, I don't need an evac, I need ammo. Um, and he's, by all reports, like he's on the ground with his troops. Um, and then there's the story of Snake Island where there were 13 uh, Ukrainian soldiers on this island with no strategic importance at all and the Russian warships surrounded it. Um, and they said, well, surrender. And the 13 troops said, well, go, go F yourselves. Um, so like, these are the stories coming out and, and I, I've seen, I don't know the truth to this, but there, there are even stories coming. Like if Ukraine can hold out for something like two weeks. So by the time this podcast comes out, if they can hold out for all that time, there is a lot of indication that Russia can't sustain the conflict because while they have all these resources, all these troops, all these armaments throughout them, all of that costs money that they don't have, especially, and and here's kind of the response of the international community. Um, A lot of countries have been sanctioning Ukraine, all Mm -hmm. sorts of fine, like the, the, the value of the ruble, which is the Russian currency, is dropped to almost nothing it is worth like 0.001 percent of a dollar right it, it, it or of a euro i think is the compare like <laughs> there are people making jokes i'm gonna go to russia with my 20 my 20 euros in my wallet and go buy the whole country at this point um the the only thing i don't actually know i'm not familiar with because I, I keep seeing conflicting uh, memes about it on Reddit, which, as you'll recall, is my source of news. Whether like I don't know whether or not we're still buying oil from Russia, because that is the majority of their income, right? But we also need gas, so I don't know. Um, and then the the big question that a lot of people are asking are why haven't other world super like why hasn't the United States sent troops? into Ukraine. Mm-hmm. And, and an important thing to remember is Russia has a nuclear arsenal on the same scale as the United States, right? That is why it's none of the other world superpowers are going to get directly involved because mm-hmm. they, like right now it's a conflict, it's a war, it's a problem. If a superpower gets involved, it becomes World War Three. And then there is there is this very serious concern about 
the nuclear armaments that are at stake. So a lot of people are like giving mm-hmm. giving different superpowers flack for not stepping in. And I'm sitting here saying like, regardless of anything else, it is it, I think it is appropriate that these superpowers aren't stepping in because that makes the con that escalates. That escalates the conflict way beyond where it is now. So that is uh that's the that's your Reddit news update on the Ukraine situation. Ben, you can you can tell me if I missed anything or got it wrong, because I'm sure you're more plugged into real news sources than I am. <laughs> um, Side note, I learned I all that from Reddit. Maybe. So if if I'm good, well, all of you who are naysayers come at me. I mean, that was that was pretty solid. That was pretty solid. There's I think there's a couple of pieces that are worth noting above and beyond that. Um, for example, the 10,000 foot geopolitical view of what's going on. Um, back in 2014, which is when Russia, that chunk of land, Crimea, um, the Ukrainians rose up and overthrew a president that was very friendly with Russia. Um, and then elected somebody who was not friendly with Russia. And since then, Russia has been not so happy about the fact that the country that they used to get a lot of their grain from no longer likes them. Um, so there's, oh, there's... and detail point, arguably the spark for this is Ukraine wanted to join NATO, I think. NATO. Which yeah. is an organization yeah. that's on many levels opposed to Russia. Yeah. Yeah. And so you, you have this long brewing conflict that's been kind of simmering since 2014. Uh, Putin himself grew up in the USSR, and there's a lot of, like he said in a speech recently that he doesn't think that Ukraine is a country and that it, it is part of the Russian empire that is in rebellion, or it has been since the USSR broke up. Um, and so in a lot of ways, you know, Putin has been, telling people his hand for years, um, definitely weeks, but probably years. Well, and everybody's um, got to keep in mind, like where Putin comes from, he's ex-KJB, KGB, right? KGB. Like he's yeah. he's USSR born, bred, and raised, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's, and it's not even necessarily like just the USSR thing, it's, you know, Russia has a long history of being an empire, whether it's as the Russian Empire or whether it's as the USSR. They very much enjoyed uh, conquering foreign lands and making them part of their controlled territory. So this is something that Russian leadership has been doing for literally centuries. Um, And it also kind of feeds into, and the reason that we're talking about this today is it feeds into their national persona uh, of a, a strong military uh, and economic juggernaut, um, as well as it bleeds into their theology. Um, if you pay any attention to the Russian Orthodox Church or the the branch of evangelicalism that's that's taken off in Russia, it's very much built around this like macho manly persona of um, you know, soldiers and um, victors and 
conquerors and um, they praise a lot of the saints who were uh, military men. They praise a lot of the saints who died, you know, defending or um, or um, standing up for um, you know towns, cities, churches. Um, and so th there's very much this persona and um, cult of manliness that's baked into the theology of their churches too and that that makes it really interesting for me at least to think about this conflict because you have a theological and a church-related tie to it um, over and above this just being a conflict that we can talk about in in terms of how we as christians approach war we have one side that you know putin describes himself as a Russian Orthodox Christian and is very proud of that identity. Um, so what do we do with that, Josh? Um, and I think a, a good place to start is, is acknowledging that this is, there, like there isn't a clear-cut answer to this to any of these sorts of questions, right? There's, there's, because there, there are factors that kind of uh, push us in two different directions. Because on one direction, the, the government, so, so um, as generically as possible government. So Putin, um, the Zelensky, I think is the Ukrainian president's name, uh, whoever whoever is in charge in whatever way they are in charge are given the the language we we like to use they're given the sword on behalf uh, kind of on God's behalf right the government they're placed with with doling out justice with um, they're they're tasked with protecting those who can't protect themselves um, the, these are kind of like the, the theological responsibilities of government. So there, there is an element to, you know, be, because you can, you can push one way and say, well, we should be pacifists and we should say that like war and violence is outright, but, but our, a, a proper view of theology, I think there, there is room for the sword for for violence to be carried out in a just way and the reality is someone has to someone has to wield the sword mm -hmm. right so well at least for now maybe one day we will just have like drones fight each other and then whoever has better drones wins but um uh, we're not talking about that today so so there's that reality of like <laughs> the, the government is tasked with justice and violence is a tool um, that sometimes they have to employ in pursuit of that. But on the other hand, right, we're called to, as Christians, we're called to lead lives of submission. Uh, we're, we're called to turn the other cheek even when wrong is done against us. We're called to radical lives of forgiveness, right? Our example is Jesus, who, on, when he was being crucified on the cross and in the greatest injustice in the history of the world, he says, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. Um, and if you say, well, that's unfair. Jesus is too high a standard. Well, Stephen, you know, just a few chapters later in Acts, 
he's being stoned to death and he says the same thing. He says, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing, right? So so we're called to kind of the, to be at peace with people, if at all possible. We're called to lives of submission and, and, and lie, we don't take vengeance for ourselves. So there are these two theological truths and we, we have to find where they're held in tension. Uh, where where that place in the middle where so um i think my very first when i am thinking about specifically the conflict in ukraine and even more generally conflict is um i am going to push for while acknowledging the reality that there is conflict and that sometimes it's necessary i am always going to use my voice whatever it is to advocate for finding um finding peace mm -hmm. right so uh a few days ago so for anyone listening we re we're recording this um on march 3rd thursday march 3rd so all of our references to time and new like we, that's when we're recording this so keep that in mind i don't know what's going to happen this weekend but a few days ago as of today um, there, there were meetings between the Ukrainian leadership and the Russian leadership to talk about a treaty, to talk about peace of some kind. Um, and when, when I see that, 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 that's what I want, right? I want to see these talks um, that strive for that peace we're called to, right? Um, so my, my thought process is that if Putin is so serious about his Orthodox Christian faith, then he should be seeking peace, mm -hmm. right? Um, so whenever I see war, whenever I see conflict, I, I acknowledge that at some, at points there's there's a reality for that. But my my immediate follow up is we need to be seeking an end as quickly as possible. Mm -hmm. So this might be a radical take, but um, I'm excited about those peace treaties. But that that same logic for me would have advocated for the dropping of the nuclear bombs at the end of World War II. Because by all estimates, because the Japanese military did not quit, that wasn't something they even entertained. And it took something that radical to make peace even a remote possibility. Um, a lot of the estimates I've seen say, yes, the nuclear bombs dropped on Hiroshima and Nagasaki took um, took so many lives, but you know, the, the numbers of casualties, if it had been a more traditional ground war escalated by like 10, 20 times, because essentially what would have had to happen is the entirety of the Japanese military would have had to be killed before they would have Plus, so like, probably a significant portion of the civilian population because they were on but those dropping the the dropping of those bombs was so dramatic and so stark that it drove into those conversations for peace so if you're talking if if you're trying to think through kind of where i'm at and where and where i see our theology pushing us is a reality that yes sometimes violence is necessary but we're pushing toward peace mm -hmm. and and that uh and the other thing that kind of drives to mind for me is kind of, well, why don't we just not do the conflict in the first place? And yes, there's there's reality that that's, um, 
that's an ideal, but the reality is the, the leaders are called to exercise the sword for justice. Mm-hmm. And, and the easiest example that I can pull is, is in World War II, right? The things that Hitler was doing were unjust. They were like, there's no justification for them. And it was appropriate for other world leaders to say, this is an instance where we are called to exercise the sword for justice, for righteousness. Um, so th- those are some of my thoughts going into this. And But I think part of the problem is uh, a lot of leaders have gotten really good at leveraging the language of justice and righteousness as an excuse for other motivations. Mm-hmm. I haven't heard any from the Kremlin on this one. But if you if 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 someone were to tell me, well, Russia's invasion is because they're like it was a justice thing, I'm going to be highly skeptical because, to my knowledge, there there weren't great atrocities happening in Ukraine. Um, not it's certainly nothing worth launch, launching a full scale war. Um, yeah. On the grounds of righteousness. So those are those are my thoughts when we're when. When we're thinking about war, um, Ben can tell me how off base some of those are. I mean, no, I think I think you're you're very much headed in the right direction on war. And I think one note on the the ground condition in Ukraine since the 2014 stuff, um, there has been some unrest in eastern Ukraine along the Russian border, um, but a lot of it's been found and like there. In, in the United States, there's rumors of crisis actors all the time popping up in, in different conflicts, and they're like basically never founded. Um, in Ukraine, they've had people come up to them and admit that Putin paid them to wander into these cities and start mixing stuff up. Um, so this, I mean, this is a conflict that's been brewing and instigating for almost a decade at this point. Well, and um, even civil unrest is not <laughs> i don't consider that like a, a a reason we need to go exercise justice right like canada if someone would suggest well canada should invade the united states because we're having protests and riots all over the place you would have thought they're nuts i would have thought they're nuts i guess um but in, in all seriousness, I think one one another way of maybe thinking about what you were kind of talking about, um, Luther actually writes this in his, I believe it's in his uh, explanation of the, the fifth commandment in the large catechism, um, where he's talking where he's talking about murder. Um, he kind of describes that force should only ever be used. For the benefit of the neighbor never for your own benefit like if someone is challenging you for life and limb then yes there's some element of defending yourself but if someone is threatening your neighbor like and there is significant li- risk to life limb whatever um that seems to be the only reason that he can come up with for justifying any sort of any sort of use of force. 
And well, and and this is an example I used because I went through the Sermon on the Mount with high school kids. Um, and the example I use is I'm say I'm walking down a dark alley by myself and I get jumped. Mm-hmm. Someone wants to take my wallet, my phone, you know, whatever. My response is to give it to them. Say I'm walking down a dark alley with my wife and someone starts and some someone starts threatening her. I'm, I'm about to throw hands, right? There's there's a totally different response because I'm defending my neighbor, but someone I'm responsible for. Mm-hmm. And that and I think that's a hard distinction. So like in the Ukrainian example, if Putin is going in because he wants to install a government more friendly to Russia's interests, that's a self-centered thing. If yeah. you know, if he was going in to protect someone, I guess that would be different. But the, yeah, he is kind of making those claims, but they they definitely seem to be unfounded. And I, I think it's pretty clear from the way that like Scripture talks about warfare, the way that God uses warfare as a tool of justice, uh, the way that. Jesus talks to soldiers about their profession. Um, the, the goal is always to uphold life in the, the greatest way possible. And sometimes that means taking a life to spare more lives. Um, and that's just kind of the messiness of the sinful world we live in. But Because let's be clear, they're both wrong yeah but then you have to start getting into this question of which sin is greater yeah and and luther's luther's whole take in the fifth commandment um is like do you just let a foreign invading army wander through your territory and massacre everyone or do you stand up and stop them from being able to perform an injustice and in so doing carry out the justice of god on them like and you can kind of scale that to whatever the conflict is that you're seeing. Um, whether it's a situation like Josh getting jumped in the in the alley or something to the scale of World War II. Um, now, I want to run with that example for a second. Sure. With me getting jumped in a dark alley, <laughs> I avoid this. You want to know how I avoid this? I don't, don't go dark, dark I, I don't yeah. go down sketchy dark alleys, right? So there there is this question of like let's let's do our best to avoid situations where violence is necessary in the first place. So mm-hmm. if any world leaders ever listen to this podcast, <laughs> Thank you don't go me. down the metaphorical <laughs> equivalent of a shady dark alley. Uh, yeah. Yeah. You hear that, Vlad? Don't do it. Come on, Vlad. Um, yeah. It, I think all of this is to say, like, there, there's a lot wrong with mm-hmm. the whole train right now. And we can kind of sum it up to, like, sins in the world. Some people are doing some very, or perhaps not very, but definitely aggressive and probably unjust things um and it's leading to loss of life that doesn't need to happen um and as a as a people as a people of god like we can respond to that and say yeah this is unjust um 
And then from there, how do we respond to this? Um, so some of the things that come to mind for me, as far as our response, there are a few things I think we can cheer on that are happening. If the first are all of these sanctions that are being handed down mm -hmm. because they're pursuing an end to the conflict while trying to refrain from conflict, right? Mm -hmm. um, and this is happening like from all, all corners of the world, right? There, there are obviously governmental sanctions, but like the NHL, they've cut their ties with Russia. The mm -hmm. NHL, for those of you who are cultureless swine is the national hockey league which has me worried a little bit because the preds have some players in russia that i would really like to get to nashville but for the greater good whatever um and even you know the, the world taekwondo association rescinded putin's <laughs> honorary black belt which on one hand just strikes me as like completely ridiculous who cares but on the other hand, I'm like, well, maybe Putin cares. Um, <laughs> so like these sanctions, there's something we can cheer on because right, it's it's an effort to bring an end to the conflict without making it without escalating it. Um, mm -hmm. So I think we can we can appreciate that a little bit. And I think the other thing we can appreciate are some of these stories coming out of, of Ukraine of nonviolence use it kind of being used to end like there are, there are stories all over the place, Russian far or Ukrainian farmers just taking Russian equipment that's like left unattended. Like they hook up their tractors to a, an anti-air missile and they just like drag it off. And Reddit, the joke Reddit's making is, well, they're, they're really tired of those crows picking at their fields. Um, but like that's, I, I mean, I guess I don't know what the SAMs are being used for after they're stolen, but kind of just this, and and I've heard a couple stories of like Russian troops arrive in a village and the villagers are kind of like just we don't want you here leave and the Russian troops surrender because most of Russia doesn't want this conflict either. Mm -hmm. uh, or I, I guess I shouldn't say most there's there's a significant enough portion of Russia that doesn't want the conflict that it's noteworthy. Mm -hmm. um, so like we can cheer on all of these things that are they're trying to diffuse the conflict as much as possible. Um, and that's kind of that's the response I would focus on is look for the things that we can build up because building up good behavior is a lot more effective than trying to tear down bad behavior. Mm -hmm. Like that's just a psychological reality for you. Mm -hmm. What about you, Ben? What's what is your response focus on as you're seeing all this? I mean, I think in, in, in addition to what you've talked about, I think I mean, those are big pieces that we can, we can do is, you know, people living halfway around the world, but I think the other big thing that we should do, especially as Christians, pray. Um, there are people in Russia, people in Ukraine, um, who are facing severe consequences in opposition to this conflict. Um, there are protesters in Russia who are being imprisoned because of this. There are soldiers dying in Ukraine for both Russia and Ukraine. Um, who don't particularly want to be a part of this conflict. Um, there's Ukrainian civilians dying. Um, I think we can do a lot of praying for safety, protection, peace for people across that region of Europe and, and Asia right now. 
um, and praying for the leadership of the two countries that peace comes and comes quickly. Yeah, and I think both of those are kind of, maybe this is too soon, but actually I'm looking at the time, maybe it's not. Transitioning <laughs> to kind of more general takeaways, right? Because with our prayer is that maybe even by the time this podcast is released, the, the conflict in Ukraine in Ukraine is done. Mm-hmm. You know, that would be great. If this is already outdated by the time it releases, we're still going to release it. Just, and and at this point, I'm asking you if that's the case, praise that it's done. Yeah. But I think there are some takeaways we can, we can have for just general conflict. And that is uh, like what Ben said, to, to pray for an end to conflict, to a, to peace and safety and, and, and to mitigate loss of life. Um, but also to, to praise and uphold and, and uplift nonviolent solutions, even in those situations where it seems violence is inevitable. Yeah. Um, and that can apply to, to, to conflicts regardless of kind of where they're at. Um, or their because they're, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's kind of um, exactly where I'm at too in terms of takeaways and and also prayer thoughts for the week. Um, and I don't think we really need to, to go much further, do you? I think we're good. Uh, I guess we're letting you out of class early, guys. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Uh, if you need a church home in, in the area of Lake Orion, 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 Michigan, yeah, check check out Good Shepherd with, with my homeboy Ben over there. Um, or or really, actually, probably anywhere in Michigan. I feel like we know a lot of guys who are pastors in Michigan. We do. In all yeah. different parts. Yeah, there's lots so. of Lutherans here, so that tends to happen. If you're in the L.A. area, check out Josh. He's in... Uh... <laughs> there are less Lutherans here. <laughs> I have yeah. some people who drive like 30 minutes to come to our church because it's the it's the closest they got. Church. Yeah. Good for them. Yeah. Go give them a hug for me this week, Josh. I'll do my best. All right. My dog's making a bunch of noise, so I think we got to call it. My brother's <laughs> All right. Eh, <laughs> go for it. I cut you off. You you okay. go for it. This is great. Go in peace. Serve the Lord. Thanks be to God.